0: All right, welcome everyone to Meet the Masters. Happy Friday morning for most of us. Tim Watson here, joined today by Master Stewart Soon. Hello, sir. Good morning.
1: Good morning, Master Watson. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks for joining me. How's how are uh, how are things Thank in Virginia right now?
1: Uh, right now, just oh, yeah, right
0: now, <laughs>
1: very 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 wet. Uh, <laughs> lots of lightning, lots of thunder. Um, I was going to stream from my dojang, but um, it's just raining so hard outside. I decided I would just do it from my living room rather than venture out into that nastiness. <laughs>
0: I've done I've done a couple in the dojang, and uh, the at least where at uh, Evolution, the acoustics aren't as good. <laughs> well, so speaking of your dojang, how how are things going with uh, you? you Kind of the bra- the umbrella is Nova Sudo, but uh, yeah, talk about talk about the studio right now.
1: Uh, well, I'm very 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 fortunate. I have um, some incredible instructors who work with me, Mr. Schwartz, as you already know him, uh, Miss Anna Jacoby, um, my son Steve, and of course on the other side, uh, my wife Deborah owns uh, uh, Morning Star Master Z. Everybody knows her as. Um, and we've, we've got a lot of very good instructors who um, have dedicated a lot of time and effort. So thank you to, uh, to everybody uh, who has helped. Um, early on, awesome. when this whole pandemic began and we first started doing our lockdown, um, it was within a couple of weeks that um, Mr. Schwartz and I and Deborah, we were all discussing how to start teaching online. Um, and so we started with, you know, Google Hangouts, we tried Twitch. Eventually we settled down on a commercial account with Zoom. Um, and because we have we're, we're, we have a very, very educated population here. Um, and pretty much everybody was on board and being able mm-hmm. to Zoom within just a couple, of, a couple of days, we had everybody back online without missing a heartbeat. And so we were very fortunate, unlike a lot of studios, we didn't suffer a lot of attrition. You know, we, we had a few, but generally speaking, um, most all of our students have stayed. And in fact, the parents have been very grateful because once we were able to go go live, you know, socially distance outside and stuff, um, they were grateful because we are getting their kids off the computers
0: are you still fine i at least in our dojang i'm finding people still saying that you know they they need their kids up and away from the computers they just need to be out of the, the house
1: yeah absolutely and uh like i said you know we have been uh doing a uh, school online in fairfax and um you know the, the the kids have been sitting down on in front of the computers, you know, for eight to ten hours a day, and the parents are are pretty much, you know, saying, "Oh yeah, well, thank you for going going live." And and you know, we also are fortunate that pretty much all of our high schoolers and um, parents as well, we we've all been inoculated, and so. Um, thanks to the governor's rules we're allowed to to go without masks and such you know, and it of course really helps in training
0: yeah absolutely um as far as how, how are things on the college side and like your teaching
1: yeah well um over at over at the uh over or at the community college where i teach at um, we have gone back because of the resurgence but mostly down in southern Virginia. But um, we've, get, we've had a resurgence, and so the governor went back, back to an indoor mask mandate at the college. Um, but it's pretty much only state facilities that are seeing that. Um, private, private shops like ourselves, we, we don't really have to do that. And in northern Virginia, it's, it's less of a concern than it is say down in Roanoke or Raleigh or something like that.
0: Gotcha. Well, we have a couple people chime, uh, chiming in. Uh, Master Marco from Sweden says, Tom Su, sir." I'm too, sir. And uh, Lindsay from uh, the from Great Britain says, uh, "Good afternoon." She's watching. I wonder, Lindsay, what's what's the weather? Usually, your weather is uh, worse than ours. We we might have you beat today. <laughs> um. So, speaking of. Great Britain and the UK. Uh, let's go back and, and talk about how you got your start in the martial arts.
1: Oh, well, you know, I met my wife in college back in 82, uh, and we were married and shortly then had our first kid. Uh, she got commissioned shortly after. And in 85, we were stationed at Malmstrom Air Force Base at the Rechner. Now, Malmstrom, Montana is a rather snowy cold place and so a lot of our things were indoors. Well, I was fortunate that while in the gym one day in walked this woman. Uh, her name was Allison Bivens. She was an EDON in the American Taekwondo Association and she was beginning classes to which, of course, then I was I jumped at the opportunity um, and uh, Mrs. Bivens gave me a terrific foundation. She was a real stickler for, um, you know, the, the proper formalities, you know, being polite, being respectful. Um, um, you know, just basically following the rules. She, she lived the life of a martial artist and she passed that down to me and all of her students. So that was where I began with and I was able to stay with them for you know, about a about a half year before my wife was transferred to to Dias Air Force Base, Texas. As soon as we got to Texas, I immediately looked up for new martial arts instructors. And I met a gentleman named Jim Gidry, who was also an EDON in Muda Kwan. You know, he had gotten his training in Seoul. Um, very, very old school. And his instructor, it was believed that he was the, was the same General Park who trained the North Korean army and defected. And so, needless to say, the class I took under Mister Gidry were pretty rough, very old school, a lot of hitting, a lot of injuries, sure. um, and that was my beginning.
0: Wow. Um, um... You know, I'm not surprised when I hear where you talk about like having the formalities and knowing you and knowing your studio, you're very uh, traditional in that way. So, you know, it's one of those things where some people pick up on on the traditionals and formalities of their teachers, but not everyone does. But uh, it's it's cool to hear that because it's like, well, I know know, now I know where that comes from.
1: Yeah, well, um, we, we are very traditional in, a, in that we follow the important things. When we address each other, it's always sir. I, right. I, I even answer the children when they ask me questions, I answer them, sir or ma'am, just to show them that it goes both ways. But at the same time, I believe that laughter is one of the most important aspects of, of, of training in that if a, if a child walks out of your dojo and they're smiling, then that's a really good sign. It means they're gonna come back. If they walk out, and every time they walk out, they are complaining, then I'm doing something wrong. Right. Um, that is a student who will not stay with you.
0: I agree 100%. And, and as you were saying that l- last night, I was teaching the little the Tigers and Dragons, and it was, it was just one of those nights where they were Awesome, and we were joking around and having fun, but at the same time, working hard too, you know? You, I, I had a group where you can joke and then bring it back, and then joke and bring it back. <laughs> that's not always the case with the little guys, but uh, last night it was, it was fun to, to do exactly what you said, with, you know, have fun, work hard, and then leave with a smile on their face.
1: Yeah, and, and that's just it, is that when they walk out smiling, Um, That means that you've done something right. Um, And it's not all a joke, especially if they're sweating when they leave. Then that means that what you've done is you've shown them that they can work hard and still enjoy themselves. And that's just going to help them in the future. You know, with with everything in life that work hard work doesn't necessarily mean it's unpleasant. It means that you can accomplish things and still have a great time, you know. I am a firm believer, I tell parents, you're always gonna have a hard time at some point getting your kids to class. Make them come to class. Don't give them a chance to stay at home and stay online and play with their friends or watch TV or whatever they're gonna be doing Um, when it's time to train. Set that guideline, have them come. Now, if they ever leave my class and they're not happy, then I'm doing something wrong. If they come because they'd rather be at home, if, if they're mad when they come because they'd rather be at home, don't worry about it. Just bring them. I'll take care of that. But if they leave and they're not happy, let me know. I'm yeah. not sure. It's that. Uh,
0: it's a. It's a good. A good reminder for instructors to try to remember that leave them you know, was the three S's sweating, smiley, smiling, and sore. <laughs> I'd never heard that one. I like oh, it. Oh, no, really? Uh, that was, a, I, I, I must've heard it from master Godwin or, or someone. Yeah. Sweaty, smiling, and sore. You want to come with those three. Um, uh, and Russell says, good day, master Watson and Master uh, soon. Bill Whiteside, you might know that guy says, good morning. <laughs> uh, and Mr. Brocco from region nine and, uh, Lucinda Oyen from uh, down uh, in Alabama says, good morning.
1: Oh my goodness. Good morning, everybody. Everyone's yeah, waking up. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's wonderful to see you all out there. Thank you so much for tuning in.
0: Yeah, if anyone has a particular question that they want to ask Master Soon, feel free to put it in the chat. So going back, you, you talked about training in Texas. Where, what, was the next, what was the next stop?
1: Well, we, we went to Japan and Hawaii um, in both places. I didn't find Tang Soo I tried, I tried Shotokan. I tried a couple of other classes and they just didn't quite work out. I tried a Taekwondo class where um, there was a particularly unkind instructor who, let's just put it this way, he was, he was mean and I was not going to condone a, a person like that by taking his class. Um, not that I couldn't take it, because I certainly gone to the, the Mood of Quan class in Texas and survived that. I made it all the way to the first go. But this particular guy was mean. I mean, he was mean to the kids, and the only people he seemed to to who you seem to stay in his class were all pretty much thugs who just wanted to beat each other up. Um, and I wasn't gonna stay with that or condone it. So I didn't train for about seven years because we had two, two duty stations. Um, but then we made it to England and that was kind of an interesting thing because when we got to England, my two sons were in elementary school and one of them was getting bullied on the bus. So I said, okay, you guys need to start training. I took them to this community center on RAF Alkenbury. And there they enrolled in a Tung class. I said, oh, I know what that is. That's, uh, that's pretty much Muna Kwan. They came back after their first day, just excited and just crazy. And they said, oh, you should see our instructor. I said, who's your instructor? It's a guy named Master Khan. Master? How many kids are in your class? And they're like, six. Are you sure he's a master? <laughs> and they said, yeah, he's a master. Because I, having been in the martial arts for a couple of years, I'm thinking, the masters usually assign lower belts for the small classes. Okay, great. So I didn't, I wanted to go see for myself. And I walked into the gym. And in flocks, this little, and when I say little, I mean he's only this much taller than me, (laughs) this little, you know, Pakistani man. And I look in there, there he is. And I'm quietly to myself, I'm saying, huh? I could take this guy. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) Just so stupid. Well, he introduces himself to me. He puts on his belt. I says, I've never seen a belt that way. Because in the old system, they didn't have the red band through the belt. I says, what what rank are you? He says, oh, I'm a foot dog, a master. Oh. Then he explained to me why he was teaching the class. Oh, you know, he had a personal vested interest in it and it was kind of like was surprising. So I found out he had a bigger class downtown. Well, later on the kids were, were enrolled in their first tournament and it was held down there where his big studio is at. It was a community center and they had Taking the whole floor up, I would say the floor is probably a good two thousand square feet or so. No, maybe maybe a good deal more than that. Has, or probably more like about four thousand square feet. And the hall was packed with contestants and spectators. And uh, I was sitting in the room, lost. I had my two little orange belts with me, and I hear somebody yell, "Chariot!" And everybody faces the door at attention. And me not yet belonging to the association association. I'm looking at the door and in walks Master Khan. And they, you know, kids, couldn't And everybody bows, and I I guess I'm supposed to bow. <laughs> and I'm, my reaction was, I, I, I know him. I, <laughs> I, yeah, that's that's my kid's teacher. That's he calls me Stu, and I call him Moochie Hid. <laughs> well, after that, it, you know, I realized, wow, this guy's the real deal. He's, he's controlling this huge tournament and everybody's looking to him. He's number one in the tournament. And I realized, wow, this guy really is, you know, the big cheese here. So I started training with him shortly after I finished up uh, my classes at the, at the college. And, um, Boy, that training was rough, <laughs> but not, not rough in the way of injury, but rough as it, he made us work.
0: <laughs> well, it sounds like from what I've talked talk to him and, and people that have trained with him, that he, you know, he, he walked the walk. And if he was doing, if he was making you do it, then he, he was doing it as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much every time. Pretty much every time that's the way it worked um what got me was that when i i started training with him um, you know like i said it was it was extremely difficult but at the same time he was not unkind as a matter of fact he had this kind of funny way of, of like if, if, if he saw me struggle he would look at me and then smile almost like laughing like Come on, Stu. You got to get through this. Just keep going. And it was reassuring, and it really did keep me going. You know, um, and in the entire time I was there, um, you know, he he never he never he never injured me. Um, but like for instance, the first time I sparred him, I found out just how how good he really was um, in that without even trying, I mean, he would just take his foot and tap me in the side of my head here, you know, and he was able to do it at will, just tap me in the, you know, tap me in the head, Stuart, you got to protect your head. And then, Oh, Stuart, you got to protect your stomach. <laughs> That's what I was left doing. You know, you realize this guy's really, really good. And No, I can't take this guy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but I, you know, I, I love, so we, in my classes lately, we've been talking a lot about control in Spartan. Uh, We've got some, some young, some young students that, you know, teens and, you know, they're, they're starting to grow into their bodies and not quite figuring out how to, to, to have as much control uh, and to, I try to explain those things you know like if you're an excellent martial artist you can show someone that you could have hit them pretty hard with you know with a tap like that you know that's all you need and and to hear to hear him say or to hear you say that um you know that's that's one of the the signs of a, a true master and I heard that back in the day that he that sparring was his thing uh yeah Lindy says Master Khan's classes haven't changed.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sure they haven't, Lindsay. Um, you know, um, and the thing is that, that Master Khan was always good at pushing me forward and driving me. Um, and it seems like he did that with all of his students, not just me, but he was able to inspire and motivate all of us to go forward. Um, he is one of those instructors who I do my best to emulate because what he what he taught me works. And um, I make a point of then trying to pass that on to my students. Um, there was a particular time I recall when um, I was the highest ranking person in class. Uh, I was just getting ready to test for children, and, you know, I was able to, I was able to, my alarm just came, came off again, warning for the weather, but um, I was able to, to, to spar with everybody on the brown belts and green belts, and the, you know, it was pretty easy at that point for me, <laughs> with great fear in my eyes, Master Cod comes charging out of the stands wearing his, his sparring gear, and goes, come on Stuart, you're going to spar me, you're having it too easy.
0: <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, you feel like you're you're doing it. You're doing good, and it's like, oh, no.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's more than humility. He want, like I said, he always wanted to push me. Right. And as a matter of fact, you know, having known that I had a uh, had earned first cup a few years back, um, within about a year, he had he had trained me and awarded me uh, my first belt and then told me that I was training three days a week and he said quote okay Stu, you're going to be a black belt before you leave you better take four classes a week yes sir (laughs) and so I did and it was painful Um, and then in the May before we transferred out I tested for Chodong and it was hard, but it was worth it.
0: So how how long were you able to actually train with him before you guys moved?
1: Um, we were there for three years, and okay. I trained for two and a half of those. Gotcha. Yeah. But it
0: sounds like you 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 got in more than two and a half years worth of classes in that time.
1: Oh my gosh, <laughs> he me so hard. <laughs> he pushed me so hard; it was crazy. That's but awesome. you know, um, at the same time, I learned what I learned is immeasurable. Yeah. yeah.
0: Speaking of uh, Gus Rogers from uh, Great Britain, says uh, hello, Salmon. Hello, uh, sir. Great people. Um, so, <clears throat> once you leave there, you is that when you moved to Virginia?
1: Yes, sir. Yes,
0: sir. So, we can straight to region eight. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure. So kind of a, a, a preface a couple of years ago, I guess it was probably three or four years ago. I was doing, I wanted to do a talk at the region eight black belt clinic. And I had the opportunity, we master soon. And I did a phone interview where I talked to him and we talked about some of this stuff. And, uh, I never got a chance to use any of it because my, my talk kind of shifted, but I, I always appreciate it having the time and, and getting to learn your backstory a little bit more. So it's fun to actually get to share it with, with people. Um, Master Khan wanted you to start a studio or start a club once you got to the US, correct?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, to, uh, to quote him directly, you know, we had just one of the, 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 the best, we have one of the best relationships in, that I, I can tell you. Um, it was like in the last week or so of my training, uh, of being there in England, um, Master Khan took me out to dinner and quote, Stuart, when you get to America, you need to open a studio to which my response was and I'm just a, a brand new chodan of only a couple of months and I responded to him and said well sir I I don't feel I'm ready to which he sits up and looks at me and goes Stuart, you know whatever it was like 5 years ago and grandmaster told me mujahid I'm giving you I'm giving you yura I said I don't think I'm ready for yura he says to me would you hit somebody has to do the job i'm saying to you Stuart. somebody has to do the job to which i could only shake my head and say <laughs> yes sir so i went to america started training and uh i was with a uh a, a gentleman named uh uh rockman mr rockman and um we fell under Master Britt's umbrella. When I got my Edon, um, I started looking for a studio. And on July second of two thousand and one, uh, Rising Star was born. And Rising Star was the old the uh, old name for what is now Nova Novatone Studio.
0: Twenty years. I didn't. I didn't realize that that was uh, this year was your twentieth anniversary.
1: It is. That's as awesome. Of, as of, as of the beginning of the year.
0: That's excellent. Um, you, you, you mentioned Master Rachman. Would were you there with uh, like Master Mukherjee and uh, Master Giselle Sharp? Did you cross paths with them at all?
1: Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I was a second degree black belt when, when uh, David Mukherjee first came to us. Um, now he had trained a lot, I think in India. Yeah. Um, under a similar discipline. Um, And, uh, you know, I mean, he trained hard, he trained hard and he just kept it up. And it was wonderful when I finally ran into him again at, uh, you know, at master's camp and at the world championships, I was so happy to see him. And he and I are really good friends. I mean, once again, I've got to visit him you know, down in Austin, stayed at his house and met his lovely family. Um, Giselle Sharp is uh, also very close to me. I've been to Houston and stayed with her, Um, you know, and of course, I'm very grateful um, that I have all these friends down there, you know, in Texas And I make a point
0: of visiting them all when I get a chance. That's great. And one of the, one of the awesome things about, you know, what we do and what we're a part of is really the people that we, uh, you know, make relationships with. We talked about that earlier with, uh, you know, you and the herds and just everyone around the association. It's pretty great.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, And, you know, I mean, It's wonderful that I have, I have friends now that, that, you know, that I've had the same friends in martial arts now for 25 years. It's like, I, I was standing right next to people like Les Hart and, um, Romel Bernardi and we, we tested together side by side, you know, um, And I don't know if you saw, I had put up a Facebook post just a couple of days ago Mm. that it was only like two days ago, this time uh, seven years ago, that Ramel, myself and Debbie had breakfast in Las Vegas, of all things. We've both been there at the same time. He was working with his company. I was taking Debbie to see some shows. And he saw me and said, hey, let's hook up for breakfast. we did you know that's just the kind of friendship we had
0: yeah i never got a chance to to meet him but uh you know seeing pictures with uh from you and and talking to the the gb Tung Sudo community it seems like he was a, a pretty great man
1: he was a terrific person and a very good martial arts i will tell you it's like uh Sparring with him was always kind of terrorizing because he was good. He <laughs> <laughs> you, you put a little, little little hurt on me.
0: Nice. I'm sure that you held your own. Um, kind of segueing into another topic. It's talking about sparring. Um, I remember seeing you. You know, for many years competing. I would be in one one ring and and most of the time your division would be right next to ours. Um, Did you enjoy competing? Did you compete just because you were there? Or what what was your relationship with uh, competitions?
1: Well, I think everything about competition is beneficial, really. Um, It it shouldn't be your main focus as a martial artist, but at the same time, it does push you to work on the things that are important. For instance, it's like before a tournament, I would always increase my training. I would make sure that I was prepared, make sure that um, I could prepare, I could present, um, you know, my, my healings or my weapons as best I could. I would try to sharpen up, make sure that I was paying attention to the important cues when we would spar. Um, And that little extra level of concentration, um, I believe, really does help you be a better martial artist. But as a school instructor, it also gives you a little bit, gives your, your, your students a little more incentive to train harder too. And if I train harder and get ready for competition, they see that. And they take it as cue and C. "Wow, I better take it up a notch too." And overall, it helps everybody. Now, that's the uh, the training aspect of it. The other part of it is the camaraderie and friendship that comes out of out of competition. Um, I make a point of shaking everyone's hand in my ring. I make a point of Introducing myself, wishing them good luck, you know. And if I lose, I make a point of shaking their hand, thanking them, and, you know, I make sure I get names. I have got friends from years back because of competition. Um, so when Grandmaster told me that it was time for me to go to Masters Camp, I was. I was so distraught. I thought, oh my gosh, that's it. I, I don't get to do this, this fun thing, camp competition. I don't get to do that anymore. And lo and behold, I walked into master's camp. And, and there's all the guys I competed with. And we were all testing for master. So competition brings a level of camaraderie that's that I think is super important.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, I think of all of the guys that were in your reign that are now, you know, masters, yourself, Mr. Hurd, Master Guider, um, you know, even back farther back, Mr. Brenner, um, you know, lots of master harsh, lots of uh, excellent, excellent martial artists that are now, you know, excellent masters and high ranking people. Um so after, after that, and it, uh, actually you can correct me if I'm wrong, you, at least in region eight, well, I guess at world championships too, have been in charge of the souvenir table for many years. How did that come about?
1: Well, actually that started with my wife, Master, Master Zamora soon. Okay. Um, she had been, um, she started off assisting uh, Mrs. Shin, Grandmaster Shin's wife, um, Because Grandma, uh, she had been running the souvenir table, Um, and um, Debbie, my wife, was is very good at organizing things, and so she had um, been helping Missus Shin up, and eventually Missus Shin uh, gave it gave it to to Deb to, to run, and pretty much just said. You know you know what to do now deborah you run this you run the souvenir table and so she did and uh of course then being the largest region when we we went to the worlds um they wanted to have a souvenir table that was as good as ours of course they actually they wanted one better so they invited debbie to run that well eventually Debbie opened up her own studio, took on a couple of the jobs here and asked me if I would take it over because I've been working with her all along Um, and myself having had a lot of experience in retail from my younger years. um, I said, sure. And that's pretty much how I kind of just segued into it.
0: I know you always have quite a few of the the Nova students helping out. How how Instrumental are they in uh, keeping things running for those events?
1: Well, that's just the thing about retail; is you can't do it by yourself. <laughs> no one can. Um, so it's one of those those kind of um, I expect it of my students to give up, you know, an hour or two of their time when they're when they're there um, to, to uh, you know to assist in sales and of course I open it up to anybody else from who wants to to help out to sign up and take an hour or two or half a day or whatever and assist and all we do is make sure that if they are signed to a ring you know for whatever purpose for competition judging or whatever that they are free at that time but without the assistance of um, you know, like my, my daughter-in-law Megan. Without her help, without Deborah's help, um, I don't think I could do this. So, to answer the question, frankly, uh, the assistance of my students is essential.
0: That's great, and luckily they're they're there to help you. So that's that's awesome. Um, Jose Rivera from Puerto Rico says Tung su uh, so, sir. Mr. Lyons says good morning. And George Hi. and Debbie Brady say good morning as well.
1: Good morning, Mr. Lyons. I haven't seen you forever.
0: I know. Uh, I hope
1: my check didn't bounce. Just
0: kidding. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned you mentioned your your daughter-in-law. Uh, the, the first time I remember uh seeing you was at uh black belt camp so my first camp was 2004 and they had the it was either the gong show or like the talent show and uh I know bringing back memories um and you got you were up uh singing and I believe you're either uh Stephen it may have been your other son too I don't remember um, but you were up, you were up singing. So I wanted to, to talk a little bit about your singing, um, and music in your life. And then we'll, we'll, we'll segue. We've talked about master Z, um, you know, segue up into to talking about Steven and, and, uh, the family that way. So,
1: well, the, the music has always been a part of my life. And as a matter of fact, I met master Z in music school, um, like I said, we were married in 82. She graduated that year, and she was in ROTC. Um, but I had never stopped playing music, you know, uh, wherever we moved. When we went overseas, especially, I usually took on uh, jobs at, the, local, at the, the, the base church as a music director. And um, you know, in recent times, I've gotten into recording and such. Um, and so, um, I, I'm i in a really good area for musicians, just outside of Washington, D.C., and I had a lifelong project that uh, was to put out my own CD, um, and I was able to do that, thanks to, you know, thanks to my wife's help. Um And she is, in fact, singing on most of the tunes. She's um, either background or lead singer on most of those tunes. Um, But as far as the association goes, um, when, when we would stand up at the beginning of a tournament and whatnot, they would have a recording that was kind of an old scratchy recording, very worn out, you know, I think it was on on a on a cassette tape and um we really need to have a a a new updated version um of the national anthem and the association anthem and so um we went to the studios and made a cd with the Tang the, the Anthem with more modern electronics, newer voice, new voices. Mr. Z, soon to be Master Z, I hope, um, is singing the lead parts on many of those things. And Master uh, Master Z, my wife, um, is also singing on all those parts. And about four years ago, five years ago, I handed it to Grandmaster Bodwin as a gift and just said, sir, this is if you want to use this for the association. And I signed all the release forms and handed them over at the same time. And that's what you hear now when we, when we bow in at, at tournaments.
0: That's cool. Um, I didn't know that that's, uh, you know it's one of those things where I I, I love and, and I've and I've been talking I've been kind of struggling with this in my own life. Like it seems like you have these moments in your life where something comes up and like Master Khan says, just do it. Um you know, we we haven't even talked about Grandmaster Shen a whole lot, but I know that he, there's moments where he's told you. You know to just just get it done you know master z gets sold by mrs shin and she wants her to do the souvenir part um you know so then you just you knew at some point someone was going to ask you to do it so you just you just got it done (laughs) and you You got
1: i think that's kind of the way it is when you belong to an association like this You, you you realize that um if you just sit on your hands the association wouldn't thrive, you know, Uh, and that's why I'm very grateful to, to people like you and Master Heiss, you know, I mean, without folks like you picking up the ball and leading it, I don't know who would do it. You know, I mean, I am forever grateful to Master Fittori for, you know, running region eight since Grandmaster Shin moved down had moved down to North Carolina, and you know, I mean, it was the most invaluable time you can imagine. Um, training under under him, uh, you know, now we've got Master Heist, and I'm just looking forward to many more years with her. Um, without the people to pick up the ball, we would falter and die.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about uh Grandmaster Shin. When do you remember the first time you got the opportunity to, to meet him, or at least, you know, like get up, get up and have him sign your dobok?
1: The first time I met him, we were at a tournament in um in uh Huntingdon, England. And he terrified me. He terrified me. He was. So quiet, so uh, pensive. And, you know, nothing, nothing gets past the man, right? Um, but then, as we started doing more and more things with him, especially once we moved to Region Eight and I, I opened my own studio, well, then I had to train directly under him, which was the greatest privilege of my martial arts life. Um, that I was able to train with him, you know, like every other month for about 12 years, which was incredible. I mean, there's not many people who can make that claim. Um, So with that privilege came also getting to know the man um, you know, who was the Grandmaster. Um, And the one thing I will say about him that I remember, above all else, was his laugh. Um, this is a man who had so much joy in his heart and so much joy to share. Um, it was just remarkable, and his sense of humor he shared with everybody. He was able to laugh at himself. He was willing to crack jokes, you know. You know, and it was just like a great a great relationship that that he developed with, especially with the people who had the privilege of really knowing him and spending that kind of time. Um, There was one particular incident that came to mind. um, And you probably remember this one pretty well. Um, I had been approached by Masters May Broda and um, uh, Marbro about doing a skit with the the Godwin school. Um, It was just for the talent show. And we did a parody on the Karate Kid for those people who didn't see uh, or don't know. Grandmaster Shin had three sayings that he always stressed. He said, be on time, one more time. No hanky panky. That was his three things that that we always had to repeat. Right. Well, in this this skit, um Miss, Master Marbrook then back then he was a sound on Mo, as I called him. Mo asked me a kind of a silly question to which then after a big string of things, the big punchline was I looked into the audience and I went no hanky panky and the people went hysterical i mean they were laughing so hard and out of the corner of my eye i saw grandmaster laughing and he i thought he was going to fall out of his chair (laughs) he was laughing so hard i thought he was going to fall out of his chair you know he is a he's a person who, who had the ability to 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 laugh at himself as well, um, but there was another side of him that I also will remember is is that 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 very serious leader um, that along with that great joy also came a very serious deep integrity. Um, and when I say integrity I mean that when it comes to like the five codes of tennis our rules he didn't just talk the talk he walked the walk he lived it breathed it ate it and and demanded it of us Um, and that side of the man I learned um, I learned to fear but when I say fear I don't mean like fear as in he's going to beat me up fear but more like the fear a child fear uh, feels when they're afraid they might do something wrong to disappoint their father. Um, and I suppose in that way, Grandmaster Shin was kind of like a second father. And um, so, you know, when I say fear, him, what I meant, what I, I guess I really should choose to say is um, I respected him and his opinion And, you know, if I could live even halfway up to um, the level that he lived, you know, as far as following the the codes and whatnot, then I'd be doing pretty good because Grandmaster Shin set a bar that was so high, you know, I'm lucky just to be able to see that bar, much Mm -hmm. less reach it.
0: Yeah, I always think of if if someone ever asked me about like, oh, you know, when am I going to test for a new belt or when is this going to come? When is that going to come? Like sometimes I'll be like, you know, Grandmaster Shin was the same rank for th- almost 30 years. <laughs> you know, he had that, he he refused to, you know, get promoted to ninth degree black belt until he had a physical um know headquarters for the the association and just the the selflessness that takes you know it's like and he you know i heard people talk and he would just kind of like no 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 and then he finally got it um but yeah it's it's one of those that's like it you know it's that old the old it's just a it's just a piece of cloth around your waist and he he lived that kind of mindset like you said um So yeah,
1: yeah, he walked the walk. Yeah, that's that's the bottom line. He walked the walk.
0: I love that. Um, We we mentioned Mister Z earlier. Um, Again, going back to when I first came into Black Belt Clinics, I'm pretty sure he was already Edon in in that time, like 04, 05. If if not, then he probably would have gotten it soon. and he would show up at every event and, and he'd have those still, still those same two stripes on it. And he was like one of the wor- the, the longest standing uh, Edons and then, you know, finally got a SOMD on and, and now is going through the process of, uh, you know, master. And I, I'm, I'm, super happy that he's finally going to take his, his place in, in that kind of pantheon of, of instructors. Just because, you know, it's one of those, he deserves to be there. And I can name four or five people that were in the same boat. So maybe talk about uh, his journey and, and being able to see him go through that, that process and, uh, you know, finally get to that, that point.
1: Well, um, you know, as far as him staying at the, the second and third degree ranks for so long, I, I think that a lot of that comes because of the competition. You know, that as soon as you become a master, uh, this for the benefit of those people who don't know about our association. As soon as you become a master, you can no longer compete. Um, and my family has always loved competing. Um, and so I think that Mr. Z, my son, Steve, um, liked it liked it a lot as well and he wasn't really ready to give it up um, and just like myself when I, when Grandmaster told me that it was time for me to become a master um, it was a very sad time in that competition was being taken away um, so I understand it as far as his journey goes um you know, um, I, I mentioned that that we originally started because um, one of my sons was being bullied. Um, but um, once we got started in Tungso and once I uh, I joined in with them, uh, Tungso really became a very integral part of raising my kids. Um, Uh, we have an older son who I tried to, to get started in martial arts back in Texas when I had that Mudaquan class, uh, that really brutal one.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, uh, you know, there just wasn't that level of love with uh, that class. And my, 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 my oldest son then just didn't continue on. Well, by the time I went to, to England, my son, my oldest son was already an adult. And so he didn't go with us to England and thereby didn't get the benefit of training with the World Tongue Center Association. Um, and that's kind of a really huge benefit. The association is such a great family organization. And the way that we teach is geared towards you know the family Um, one of the stories I like to tell is about my teenage years in Hawaii I had uh, my best friend I was about 16 years old and I just had to stop seeing him I had to stop hanging out with him because as we got older and older, you know, it started with the, the smoking the pot, and drinking the beer and, you know, we were kids, and I would, I would share, share with them, you know, and it, it had to stop when they started doing the heavier drugs. Um, Now the thing about this friend is that he grew up pretty much without a father. And, um. I walked into his room one day and they were snorting these little tiny white lines of powder and told me that one of their friends had got him some what's called China white which is heroin and I just had to back away and oh that's good for you see ya Mm -hmm. And that was the last time I ever hung out at his house, ever. Because I knew he was going way too deep. And um, he had the most dysfunctional family. Because, like I said, his father wasn't there. Um, you know, sister got pregnant, all kinds of things. Just no structure that they could, you know, they didn't have so much to learn from, sadly enough. Now let's fast forward about 30 years, 20, 30 years and, and I'm raising my kids. We're doing tang-sido. we travel together. We've got a strong family structure. We have this common activity. We struggle together. We talk. And the biggest problem I had was getting one of my sons to do the dishes. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll take my problems over <laughs> what my 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 old high school friend had.
0: I I, I love that story, and I yeah, uh, you, you can't say it any better as a as a parent. If that's you know making getting ma- getting them to clean their room or put away the dishes, if if that's the worst of your problems, you're. You're doing okay so i like that analogy uh it's one of those as as a as a father of a 12 and a 10 year old you know every once in a while i need to hear that
1: yeah yeah uh, and they they can be trying especially when they get real um real defiant I, yeah. I, I get that right um but i think as parents we we stick to our guns we guide them and if they are um you know, if they are learning their lessons from us, eventually they will. You know, they will. It, all those lessons kick in. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we're that you're line, You got to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that's for me to feed my dogs. <laughs>
0: So we are at uh, pretty much at that one hour mark. And again, I want to thank you for joining me. I want to thank everyone for watching along. Um, do you have any closing comments, sir, before we wrap up?
1: Um, yeah, real fast. I I, I really owe a, a debt of gratitude to uh, my instructors, Allison Bivin, Mr. Guidry, Masticon, Master Khan, Master Britt, and of course, Master Vaughn. Um, but I would also like to really extend an extra thank you to well, as well to uh, Master John Godwin, um, because even though he was never my instructor, he has always welcomed me into his schools. He's invited me for, um, he's invited me for seminars, uh, for training, all types of things. He's led us in so many ways, um, and. To me, he is what the consummate sabernim should be. Um, he's the whole package. Um, and the one thing that impressed me the most was something that happened a few years back. We had both been sitting on a uh, a special dragon's test, and Master Godwin had been there to help one of your students. Um, his name was Sam He was autistic and it was kind of a really interesting moment. Grand uh, master Ma, uh, Master Godwin was kind of there to make sure that Sam would stay focused because autism is his issue. And I remember watching as they said, okay we're going to ask you guys to do busai. Well, Sam was... Doing this. And Master Godwin said to him, Sam, 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 look, look here, focus here. You see me? And Sam went, he says, We're going to do Beside. You, you know Beside, right, Sam? And Sam went, Okay. And then he t- t- told the conductor, He's ready, go ahead. And that to me, showed me something that I didn't know about Master Godwin, that he's not just a great instructor, you know, a great administrator, but he's, you know, he's a humanitarian, he's a leader. And if I could be half that instructor, I'd be doing pretty good.
0: Great story. And, you know, for the record, I think you are, you know, more more than half um i'm also biased in thinking that grant master was a great instructor he being, is you know, coming up under his uh, tutelage which you know you you talked about um 20 years as a, as a studio this uh, this year is actually in november will be my 20 years in training so uh, we got a we, you know we 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 share a little anniversary there so that's kind of fun <laughs> um so again, I want to thank you for joining me, sir. It was a pleasure. It's good to see you. It's It's been too long.
1: It has been, sir.
0: And uh, hopefully hopefully, we get a chance to uh, connect in uh, person soon. Yep. Hopefully, again, hopefully
1: we'll see, see each other at Region 8.
0: That's, that's right. Uh, well, thank you all for joining us. And, sir, once again, thank you. Tung Su.
1: It was my pleasure and my honor. Tung Su. See you soon. Thank you, sir.